Good evening, everyone. What am I doing here? Oh, here we go. Okay, cool. Don't stress, I'm not going to read all of those books tonight. <laughs> Let me pray. Dear God, we thank you for tonight. Uh, just pray, uh, Lord, that my words will be your words, uh, that your Holy Spirit will move in the lives of people here tonight and we will be changed as a result. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There are some things in life I understand, and there are some things in life I don't understand. Uh, I used to be a teacher, so I understand schools. Um, I can go into a classroom and know how to set it up. I know sort of how, you know, behaviour management and that sort of stuff. Um, for people who are teachers, uh, or used to be teachers, once a teacher, always a teacher, there are things I can't help but see teacher things everywhere. The other day I was down at the North Lakes Library and I was walking past and I couldn't help but see a fight break out. Yes, a fight in a library. These kids were on the computers. I think there was one group of kids who didn't like another group of kids. There were names being called that I will not repeat here um, in a library. And one kid was, had another kid bent over a desk. And it's like, I saw the librarian and said, you better break this fight up. And she's like, what? You know, and so I, I had sort of had certain words with them and told them to settle down and then she came over and tried to talk to them waste of time that was um i was like how can, you know afterwards she's like oh thanks for telling me that because i i didn't see it how can you not see a fight in a library like come on <laughs> so there's some things i get there are other things that i do not understand at all conceptual art <laughs> now my admiration of art extends to I look at a piece of art can I do it? No that's art (laughs) can I do this? yes I can throw paint on a wall and call it art so that's not art in my opinion a couple of years ago Rachel and only had the girls at that stage not Asha went along to GOMA the gallery of modern art I've got no idea what's going on in that place. I'm walking around. There's, there's a room full of balloons. Well, whoop-de-doo, I can blow balloons up and shove them in a room. In, there, was a, there was a statue of a mannequin ice skating like this that had no head. What? 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 There's another room. I got in a little bit of trouble for this one because we went into a room and there were people singing Michael Jackson songs and I think it was a bit dark. Scarlett got a bit scared and started to cry and I, I being one of those people in sort of, you know, louder than normal voice, said, yeah, I agree, darling, the the singing's a bit rubbish. Um, Yeah. I think Rachel whacked me. Um, But what is going on in these places? Like, I honestly have no idea. I think that when we look at things, there are some things we understand and there are some things we don't. And I think the things that we don't understand, we don't understand because there's something missing. There's, There's a part missing that we need to be able to understand them. What I mean by that is, is that there are times when I think that we can, you know, as a parent I do it at home where we speak in a code, so we can speak in front of our children about them or about stuff that they're going to do or not going to do and they don't understand what's going on. Parents, yes? Oftentimes you, you know, spell words out and you can sort of have whole conversations and the kids are none the wiser that they're just about to get ice cream. Um, in saying that, though, Esther is now old enough that she can spell and so that is gone. <laughs> she she then tells the other kids what's going on. Um, but they don't understand because they're missing the ability to be able to spell. Now, in tonight's passage, we're having a little bit of a look tonight, and essentially that's sort of the essence of it, in that uh, Jesus is 
speaking in parables, and some people get it, and some people don't. So please keep your Bibles open to Mark chapter 4, and to fill you in, because we're getting back now into our remarkable series, uh, to fill you in and give you a bit of context of where we're up to here, I'm going to have a quick run through the first four and a half chapters of Mark. Essentially, the deal is that Jesus come and he has uh, proclaimed that he's come to bring uh, the kingdom of God, to spread the good news about himself. Uh, he has begun to be, uh, do his public ministry, so he's healing some guys, uh, he calls his disciples. He's had a few run-ins already with the religious leaders because they're not really keen on what it is that he has to say. And then at the start of chapter 4, this is when Jesus starts to actually teach people. Uh, and he teaches people in parables, and he does that deliberately. And so here we have, at the start of chapter 4, the parable of the sower. Uh, the idea behind the parables is that Jesus is able to teach, and for people who get it, he can teach them truths about the kingdom of God. And for people who don't, they just don't. So parables are designed to reveal and conceal truth at the same time. The disciples asked about this, and it says in verses 10 to 12, it says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he, he being Jesus, said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So parables are designed to explain truths, but in addition to that, though, they help reveal the condition of the heart. Essentially, they show whether people are an insider or an outsider. An insider being someone who trusts in Jesus, an outsider being a person who doesn't. Uh, and in one of the common catch cries, I suppose, is one way to put it, uh, is found in verse 9, where it says, and he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Oftentimes when Jesus is teaching, he either starts or finishes with that saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the meaning behind the parable of the sower, as Jesus explained uh, to his disciples, uh, it's got to do with trust in him, and it's about discipleship. There were four different types of soil, uh, and the focus is on the fact that the last type of soil, the good soil, um, was uh, creating fruit, that there was fruit seen in the people's lives. There was fruit seen because there'd been transformation as a result of that. So it's sort of showing the two camps in that there's insiders, those who believe by faith in Jesus, uh, that he died on the cross, uh, that they need forgiveness through Jesus' sacrifice and then his resurrection. And through faith, they are transformed. And as a result of that, they show fruit in their lives. They show godly character in their lives. The other three types were those on the outside because they didn't. They didn't. They weren't transformed. They didn't see that fruit. Tonight's passage from uh, verses 21 to 25, flows on from the parable of the sower. Right in the middle of it, Jesus asks in verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Essentially, Jesus' statement there can be summarised as a question, as in, are your ears turned on or are your ears painted on? My kids' ears are painted on. Someone else's, yes? I, Rachel and I say stuff at home, which I think is in English, and it seems like that whatever's said doesn't get done. Example, kids, go and clean up your room. That apparently means 
that you go down to your room and there are toys on the floor, but instead of packing them up, you play with them and you play with more and then the mess is bigger by the time I get down there. Bedtime. Kids, go and put your pyjamas on. That's code for go and put dress-ups on, um, something that resembles a ballerina outfit, uh, dress up your brother in a ballerina outfit, uh, but pyjamas, nowhere to be seen. My kids, look, I love my kids, please don't get me wrong, but, but their ears are painted on. The reason why I know that... Sorry, that does sound really bad. My kids do listen to me at times, but, but for the sake of this, their ears are painted on. And they're painted on because when I give them instruction... They, they don't listen, and therefore they don't obey. The opposite of that, therefore, is if when they have their ears turned on, they do listen and they do obey. And so that's what Jesus is asking in verse 23. Essentially, that I've summarised is, are your ears turned on or are they painted on? Jesus asks this question because he wants to see what people's response will be. Is it obedience or not? So it starts in verse 21, where it says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now, the them here could be either the disciples or the crowd. I actually think, personal opinion, please don't hold me to it, is that Jesus is again speaking to the crowd uh, because he's explained the previous parable to the disciples himself and he seems to be speaking in another parable, so I think that it could be the crowd, but it could be the disciples either way. That's not the point. The point is, is that he says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? The question is deliberately worded in a way to imply the answer should be no. No, you don't have a lamp that you hide under something. The idea of a lamp is to shine light. Now, the lamp here is talking about Jesus. We know that Jesus came to be, as it says in John 8 verse 12, Jesus came to be the light to the world. God sent Jesus to bring his message to be light in a world full of darkness. So here we have a picture of a lamp that's deliberately set high to be able to shine light in darkness. Got that picture? Cool. Now, verse 22 talks about how nothing's hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. The idea behind that is with reference to what we read before in uh, verses 10 to 12, where, yes, Jesus has come, and yes, to some people the message has been deliberately concealed, but in the end, everyone will know. It will be revealed to everybody who Jesus is, what he's done, why he's come. Now, with regard to this passage, Jesus is saying, if your ears are turned on, then you should shine in your life. Jesus should shine out of who you are. If your ears are turned on, then people should be able to look at you and see Jesus shining out of you, imagining that lamp up high being shone into the darkness. It's sort of a metaphor to some degree of also our lives that we can reflect Jesus' glory to others. Uh, and if our ears are turned on, then we will do that. We will not help but be able to shine Jesus to others. It will be evident for everybody to see and it will be done in an increasing measure. Uh, we read in Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23, about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I've got a Colin Buchanan song on my head. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So as we have our ears turned on, then those godly characteristics, those fruit of the Spirit, should be seen more and more in our lives. Make sense? 
question therefore is are your ears turned on or are they painted on now maybe tonight for the first time you've turned your ears on and it's I was trying to think of a way to describe it and it's sort of like you know when you watch a movie and you're watching it for 95% it's like this is not making any sense at all and then right near the end something changes and it's like oh yes now I see how they got there um Yes, a movie I like is called Unbreakable. It has Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson in it. And it's like, what is going on? What's going on? And then it got right to the end and something clicked, like literally in the last scene. And it's like, oh, I've now got to go back and watch the movie again because now I can see what was going on because my eyes have been opened. Now, if our eyes are turned on, sorry, if our ears are turned on, then it should look like what it says in verses 24 to 25. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now the picture that they're conjuring up here with regard to the use of the word measure is with regard to sort of scales in the marketplace. People would go down and buy goods. Uh, the idea was that the scales were a metaphor for people's character, essentially. So, you know, if you were going and buying stuff from dodgy people with dodgy scales, you were going to get ripped off. If you were going to go buy stuff from people that had scales with integrity uh, that were what they were meant to be, then you could trust what you were getting. This is the idea with regard to the metaphor with people's lives in that... Um, Are you a scale set that's dodgy or are you a scale set that's got integrity, that's got character about you? Uh, If you're a person who's of character, it says there in verse 24 that with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. It's talking about the fact that um, if our ears are turned on and we're living lives that reflect the way that God wants us to live, that God will continue to bless us more and more with more revealing of his character. This is not, I don't want to make it sound like that, you know, if we do what God wants us to do, then he's just going to give us more and more stuff. It's more about the fact that if we're do, living our lives the way that God wants us to live because our ears are turned on, then we will receive more and more blessings from him with regard to our relationship with him. Verse 25 For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. God will continue to give us more and more blessing based on our investment that we make into our relationship with him. God longs to have a relationship with us, not for us to do like religious-y things, not just to sort of, you know, God, I showed up to church every week for this month. I'm, you know, I'm going awesome. It's got nothing to do with the stuff that we do. It's about the way that we uh, invest in our relationship with God because God's wanting our relationship with us. A way in which that we can invest in our relationship with God is with regard to spiritual disciplines. Now, this sort of conjures up in our minds, um, can sometimes conjure up in our mind things like, you know, oh, I've got to legalistically do all these things. That's not the, that's not the spirit behind spiritual disciplines. I brought these books up because there's a whole pile of books that I or Rachel have read that talk and reflect upon spiritual disciplines that we can have in our lives. Richard Foster's celebration of discipline. Yes, a celebration. Oftentimes, discipline has in our mind it's hard work, you know, it shouldn't be fun. 
That's not the case. This one that I've just read from John Ortberg, um, The Life You've Always Wanted, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. I'm an ordinary person. It was really worth a read. Ordering Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney, Disciplines of a Godly Man, because I am a man, I'm trying to be godly, um, by some bloke, Kent Hughes. There's one for godly women, there's one for godly families, there's one for godly young men. The idea behind the spiritual disciplines is not with regard to if I, you know, if I do all these things, then I'm going to get in good with God. That's not the case at all. I think sometimes we can read them from that point of view. Um, at the start of the, this one that I've just read by John Ortberg, he sort of reflected upon his life and he was sort of like, you know, I see all these really spiritual people doing all these disciplines and that, that's not me. He reflected on his life and said, I want to have a life that sort of more reflects what Jesus is like, but I'm ashamed of actually who I am because there's still so much sin in my life uh, that I should be you know, celebrating having time with my kids and I'm too busy thinking about myself and just wanting to get them off to bed so I can do what I want to do. Um, the idea behind the spiritual disciplines is not about trying more but about training our lives because it's doing things that open ourselves up to be able to hear from God. Um, the Bible is a way that God can talk to us. He can't talk to us through the Bible if we're not reading it. Uh, praying is a way that God can talk to us. He can't talk to us if we're not praying. Uh, the idea behind the disciplines is to open up a way in which we can actually commune with God so that we can develop our relationship with Him. I couldn't help, though, by reading these books as well, thinking, you know, and the John Oldberg guy really hit the nail on the head at the start where he's like, I want to be like this, but I'm not, and I'm ashamed of who I am. It's easy for, for us to say, oh, I should read the Bible more, and I should pray more. It's easy to then read these books and say, oh, man, like, you know, these books have got like, oh, I think this one's got nine disciplines that we should do or that we could do and things like that. I don't know, I read them, and initially I'm, I look at me and go, oh, I'm not doing any of those what's going on with that? I'm sure that I know that my ears are turned on. Am I not listening like I should be? The answer is probably yes. You may feel the same tonight too, where you think, that, yeah, I want to follow God. I want to see my life you know, where I'm shining Jesus to others. I want to see my life where I'm receiving more and more spiritual blessings from God. Um, that's, I think, where we can come back to Jesus. That, I mean, the risk of making it sound like a Sunday school answer, it is. Um, these parables reveal the kingdom of God and the central heart of the kingdom of God is the fact that Jesus came, came and lived on this earth, showed us how to follow God, died on the cross, was raised back to life, paid the punishment that we deserve because we couldn't pay it ourselves. And that when we step out in faith and believe that Jesus did that, that our ears can be turned on through the Holy Spirit and we can enter into God's kingdom. Tonight we're going to sing a final song um, and I encourage the, I ask the music team to come up and I'm going to pray. And I just ask that you'll sing that song as a prayer. Uh, so yeah, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for tonight and we thank you for the passage we've looked at in, in Mark here Lord and um, as we've looked at Jesus spoke about how if anyone has ears to hear let him hear Lord and I just pray that all of our ears will be open to you tonight uh, we know that we've messed up 
Uh, we know that there's areas in our life where we continue to struggle, Lord. Help us to continue to give them to you each and every day. Help us to be able to grow in our relationship with you so that we can be the light that we need to be in the world, that we can continue to receive these spiritual blessings that you promise because we've invested our relationship with you, not by doing all these things to tick boxes, uh, not doing all these things to try and earn your favour, but doing, doing these things because we want to spend time with you because we love you, because we see the sacrifice that you sent your son to make here here on earth, to die on the cross in our place, something that we deserve, uh, but that Jesus didn't stay dead, that he was raised back to life to show us that he is God and that we can put our trust and faith in him. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.